0: Thank you to BetterHelp for sponsoring this episode of the All That To Say podcast. Around here, we talk about the hard stuff because I've been through a lot of it and so have you. And therapy has been a monumental part of my coping and my healing since I was in my early 20s. Well, BetterHelp is the world's largest therapy service and it's 100% online. With BetterHelp, you can tap into a network of over 30,000 licensed and experienced therapists who can help you with a wide range of issues. To get started, you just answer a few questions about your needs and preferences in therapy. That way, BetterHelp can match you with the right therapist from their network. Then you can talk to your therapist however you feel comfortable, whether it's via text, chat, phone, or video call. You can message your therapist at any time, schedule live sessions when it's convenient for you. And if your therapist isn't the right fit for any reason, you can switch to a new therapist at no additional charge. With BetterHelp, you get the same professionalism and quality you expect from in-office therapy, but with a therapist who is custom-picked for you, more scheduling flexibility and at a more affordable price. Get 10% off your first month at BetterHelp.com slash all that to say. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash all that to say. Hey, sweet ones. Welcome back to the All That To Say podcast with me, your host, Elizabeth Klein. On this podcast, we talk about the hard stuff. A, because I've been through a lot of it. B, because most of you have too. And C, because I believe that God loves us and created us for relationship. Today, I'm going to answer a few common questions I've gotten over the years about dating after divorce. Now, hands down, the number one question I get is, am I allowed to date, meaning because I'm divorced, that is usually coming from someone in the Christian world, Um, along the lines also of like, how can I know that I'm ready? So I'll get on the how you can know you're ready one in a little bit. But I touched on the question of, can I date Um, in episode 20 of the podcast? So I'd recommend either starting there or listening after but I want to lay a quick foundation (laughs) and we are diving into the deep end with this. So just hang on. Um, And by the way, what I'm about to share, what I'm about to share, it's as best as I can tell from a biblical perspective, and it's because God loves you and because I love you. Okay. If you are not yet divorced, you should not be dating period. No wiggle room. If you are divorced and you were the covenant breaker, meaning you were unfaithful or you abandoned your spouse through abuse or addiction and were unrepentant and did not try to reconcile, I believe you should not date and that you should remain unmarried until you have taken steps to repent. If you are divorced and were the covenant breaker, but were repentant and took steps to reconcile, but they were not received, I believe you can date. And therefore, when I say I believe you can date, I believe that I'm also meaning you can remarry at some point. If you are divorced and were not the covenant breaker and did all you could to try to reconcile, I believe you can date and remarry. If you are single, I believe you should not be having sex. Sex when you're not married is called fornication. The Bible talks about this. If you are currently married, you should only have sex with the person you are married to. Sex with someone else when you're already married is called adultery. The Bible is clear about this. If you are separated, I believe you should not be having sex with anyone, including your estranged spouse. If you are divorced, I believe you should not be having sex with anyone, including your ex-spouse. Okay. How's that for just like tiptoeing in (laughs) with some light topics? Okay. So let's jump in with a couple of questions. Question one, what do you think about when someone says they deserve a good man. Okay, I heard that a lot. Now, I, like I heard, like people would say to me, you deserve a good man. And my knee-jerk reaction was usually something like, thank you, or that would sure be great, or I know, right? You know, ha, 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 but really, who says? Like, who says that I deserved a good man Was it because I was nice? Because at the time I was only in my 40s and my life wasn't over yet because my first marriage was so hard that the second one had better be amazing to make up for it because it would have been super great for Jesus to like throw me a bone. Okay, but really, why do I quote unquote deserve a good man? Because the way I see it, I slash we all deserve quote unquote whatever Jesus doles out. Don't get me wrong. I am clearly all for raising the bar and not settling. And I'm totally not saying you should intentionally walk headlong into the worst relationship with the meanest man you can find as soon as possible. What I'm talking about here is the concept of deserving. I don't think we deserve an amazing and easy and light and fluffy life filled with romantic love. Not because we're like horrible people or anything, but just because a person doesn't deserve things. We're not owed anything. We're not entitled to these things. We're not promised a good man and romance and a second chance at marriage and amazing sex and fulfilling intimacy and being crazy in love for the rest of our life. That's not biblical, that is cultural. Now, can we want these things? Sure. Um, can we you know, be grateful if the Lord brings them to us? Sure. But we're not promised those things, which to me means we do not deserve, quote unquote, those things, nor should we expect those things or sort of be living in limbo with our life Waiting for those things, and neither should you. We are promised as followers of Christ that our lives will be hard. We are promised also, though, as followers of Christ, that our lives will be abundant. So, we need to start with realigning our expectations. Christ gave us his life, we can move forward in abundance, knowing that he loves us more than any man could ever love us. He wants to bring us to the land of the living, he wants to heal us, he wants to use us. And we may need to get to a place where that is enough because we are not promised these cultural things and therefore we don't quote unquote deserve them. I know that was kind of a tough one. Okay. (laughs) I'm moving on to the next question. How do you know if you're ready to date? It starts with actually being single as I said up there, meaning if you've not yet signed divorce papers, you are not yet single even if you feel like you are and you should not be dating. Then it moves on to sort of the next phase, which is taking significant, sufficient time to heal. Do things like go through divorce care, see a counselor, do some coaching, go through my e-course Heartbreak to Hope, grieve, grieve, grieve. Lay low for a while, rest, journal. Um, I heard someone use the phrase, do the heart work. I love that. Go out with your girlfriends, paint a room in your house, buy a dog, serve someone, take a class, pick up a new hobby for at least one year post your divorce date. By the way, divorce care suggests one year for every four you were married before dating. Girls, trust me. So then once you're divorced, once you've done some major grieving and healing work then and only then for your sake and your future date's sake, and if there are kiddos for your children's sake, only then should you consider dating. So here's some ways to know you're not ready. If the idea of dating repulses you, you're not ready. If you hate men, you're not ready. If you haven't forgiven your ex-husband, you're not ready. If you are feeling desperate and panicky about living the rest of your life alone, ironically, you're not ready. If you have a burgeoning addiction to alcohol, food, shopping, porn, sex, etc., you're not ready. If the thought of a date scares you to the point of like emotional paralysis, you're not ready. If you want to be remarried because you're financially broke or you think your kids need a father figure or to prove to your ex-husband that you're worthy of man's love or because you're scared to live alone or you need to fill your bottomless void of need, you're not ready to date and therefore be in a relationship that's leading to marriage. I say all of this with all of the big sisterly love in the world. However, if you have done the work, if time has gone by, if you have prayed about it, and you feel God is leading you, you might be ready. If you've talked to people you trust, and they think you're ready, and they support the idea, and I mean like people who know you super well, like a counselor, like your family, like your closest girlfriends, you might be ready. If you find yourself doing just fine on your own, like you're enjoying your life, you're not crying lonely tears every night, you have good friends, you're doing your thing, you might be ready. If you can take or leave a man, you might be ready. If you're looking for a companion and not a savior, you might be ready. I would say this, only you can know if you're ready, no one can answer that for you. And I would also say, you can always try. You can always go on one date to test the emotional waters. And if it freaks you out, you can choose not to go on a second date and regroup and keep living your sweet life for a little while longer until you're ready to venture out again. Okay. I'm going to share one of my dating stories. So if you've followed me for any length of time, Um, you know, that I was between divorce day and remarriage, um, there was, let's see my separation, divorce. I'm getting the timeline all wrong. You'd think I would know this. I know this. (laughs) I know this much. I was a single mom for four years, so there's that. Okay. So I had the four year time of living on my own, getting to know myself better, healing, doing the work. Okay so um i met someone online not on an app um someone had commented on my blog i am really going to tell this story in a very long and windy way and we struck up um a long distance six month friendship that turned into me totally and completely falling for this guy um at month six we met in person and Um, though I thought it went great and he also said it went great. He said he just couldn't figure out how we could figure out the details of, I mean, we lived far, far, far away and we both had kiddos. So, um, he ended it and I was a mess for uh, six or so weeks, um, mess but the thing that that did for me was sort of prepare me. It um, it got me realizing, oh, I, I think I do want to be in a relationship. And my girlfriends were like, you've got to start. Let's get you out there. So um, they helped me sign up for a couple dating apps. And I ended up going on five first dates. The fifth first date person is who I am married to now. But um, bachelor number two, so he and I had some major chemistry going on during our first date, but um, then something happened and we ended up not moving forward. Um, And I'm going to tell you what happened because I want to tell you how I handled it at first, which was not great, and how then I eventually handled it, which was if I say so myself, pretty freaking awesome. So I'm not saying any of these things in an effort to badmouth this guy. Um, this man will obviously remain nameless and faceless to you. I am saying it because there are characteristics that you may come across out there in the world. And I want you to think through how to handle men like him in general. Um, I will be the first to scream from the mountaintops that there are indeed good, good men out there. Um, I met, a handful of them in the months that I tried dating. And I was just scratching the surface because I only did five dates. Um, But sometimes a man who is not yet healed is out in the dating world prematurely and can hurt you. So you need to be ready for that. Just because they are on an app, it's not like they've gone through a screening process or anything. You have to be your screen, your own screener. So bachelor number two and I hit it off. During our date, we talked about everything, including the fact that I had just been on a motorcycle date two days prior, and that I had already agreed to a second date with bachelor number one. Some might recommend not discussing one date with another date, but my life has turned into being all about full disclosure, and I didn't know anything about dating, let alone a bunch of guys at once. Um, And I just wanted each man to know what I was doing for their sakes. I wanted to be completely upfront. I wasn't a playa, wouldn't even know how to be one. Okay, so bachelor number two was cool about it. He suggested I go on a bunch of dates, though he jokingly said, in my professional opinion, you can probably just take your profile down now. Like he and I had met, there was no longer a need for further exploration. It was flirty and cute. Um, We wrapped up and I knew I wanted to see this guy again. He calls me the next day and about a half hour into the conversation, he asked what I was doing the next day. And I said, I'm doing that thing that you probably don't want to know what I'm doing. Um, which was second date with bachelor number one. And that's when things took a really weird turn. And he said, wait, you're still going out with that guy? And I'm like, yeah, we just talked about this last night. I thought he was kind of kidding, but I wasn't really sure. And like his tone changed and he said, oh no. I've done this before. I'm not doing this again. I know girls like you. Okay. So I'm just like, <laughs> I'm still trying to process if he's kidding. And I'm like, wait, what? I'm not a girl like that. I wouldn't even know how to be one of like those girls. And he said, and you know what? You're not going to be my girl either. And he hung up on me. Okay. Keep in mind, we're like in our forties. We weren't in our, we weren't teenagers or 20 year olds. Um, It just felt like such a very immature, weird conversation. I'm standing in my living room. My mouth is just hanging open. I'm like, what in the world just happened? Here's where it's really embarrassing. I immediately call him back. It's where all my old patterns kicked in. Um, It was my knee-jerk reaction. I'm not proud of it. Um, I left him a voicemail saying that he must have misunderstood me and that we had just talked about all this the night before. I was simply trying to be a woman of my word by going on the second date with the first guy, but that I really did have more chemistry with him and I wanted to see him again. And then I really wasn't one of those girls, whatever that even meant. I then received several long texts filled with put downs about my character, questioning my salvation and a final statement of do not contact me again. Okay. I was stunned. I was beside myself that evening. And then the next morning I recounted the conversation and I read the texts to three friends. They also could not believe that someone who barely knew me would come across. So territorial, they all pretty much agreed that it was a good thing. I was tipped off to who he really was so early on, you know, before I could get hurt too late. Okay. While I was with a couple of my friends, he sent me the first of many apology texts. Now, If I were 100% healthy and healed and whole at that point, I wouldn't have responded to any of his texts and I would have blocked him. But I was not yet 100% healthy and healed and whole yet. Not that we ever will be until we're face to face with the Lord, but still. And though I really didn't intend to give him like a second chance at another date, I also didn't cut him off right then and there. And I'm telling you right now, I should have and I'm embarrassed that I didn't. So more texts go back and forth between us for a few days. And then I decided to take a break from men in general. I pronounced no boys July. Um, I told him I was taking my profile down to not text me. I needed to think and pray about all this. He respects my wishes for maybe a week. By this point, though. <laughs> I lifted my own ban on boys because I was a grown up and I can change my mind if I want to. And I put the profile back up and I went on to meet bachelor number three, four, and five after that incident. Okay. So I'm moving on. I'm minding my own business. When this guy comes back into the picture, he saw my profile was back up and he texted me again. He asked if we could just be friends. I said, I'd think about it. He asked if we could go for a walk. I said, I'd think about it. I shouldn't have said any of this girls he kept texting saying how he'd messed up and he failed me and he failed god and himself i mean these texts were like novel length they were way too long for how little we knew each other and in these texts he sprinkled terms of endearment like baby angel darling and my favorite you're my girl oh my gosh i'm so totally not I now realize this is like love bombing. Okay, but one morning I woke up to a few even longer than usual texts all in a row where he had crossed the line. I know the one phone call should have crossed the line. Um, Because, but in this text, he invited me to to go (laughs) to Florida with him for the weekend. And then this is how he ended the text. I've made up my mind. You're going with me. We'll get separate rooms. I'll pick you up on Friday night. And I'm like, did he just tell me what to do? Yes. Yes, he did. He had just inadvertently poked the bear. I was triggered and I was mad. I responded with a ridiculously restrained message. Uh, There are so many things in this text that make me uncomfortable. I am not going away with you this weekend. I'm rethinking the walk. I'll be in touch. By this point, I was just planning to ignore all future texts, but something interesting happened. I had lunch with bachelor number five. You know, the one who ticked all the boxes, the one I'm now married to. And after lunch with that sweet, sweet man, I realized fully how a man is supposed to treat a woman. So when I got home from my first date with my now husband, I texted bachelor number two and I said, I would like to go for a walk. <laughs> he foolishly suggested we take the train to Chicago and walk along the beach. I said, no, that we'd be taking a walk on my street with my dog at 9 a.m he foolishly then told me to make it 8 30 to give us more time at another place in my neighborhood and he'd bring starbucks i said no 9 a.m my street no starbucks he then told me i was killing him i'm killing him oh my lands! i'm getting all reworked up and this was what 10 11 10 years ago okay it's so funny um so the next day comes we meet on the corner of my street don't worry. He did not know which house was mine. I had my then dog. I had my phone. He said, hi, darling. And we got <laughs> this guy. Oh my gosh. Okay. So I led the conversation and I said, so tell me, do you read your texts to me before you send them to me? And he kind of like laughed. He said, no, I just write them, then send them, then delete them. I said, hmm. Yeah, well, I'm going to read you a few of your texts. And he was like, please don't. And I still did. And it was like baby this and angel girl that, and I've made up my mind. You're coming with me. And I said, first of all, calling me baby and angel and your girl when you've known me for five minutes, completely inappropriate. I kind of paused to let that sink in. And then I said, but telling me what to do, completely unacceptable. You are the first man that i have been mad at since my ex-husband you are the first man to bring up feelings like i had in my first marriage i did not leave my marriage just to get back into something just like it he said darling you've got to know i was kidding with all that i said you get that this isn't going to work between us right and he said yeah and i said good i need to point this out this is maybe the best part or at least the most ironic while he and i are walking down the street and we are hashing this out my ex-husband and daughter drive by us i can't make this up because he was dropping my daughter off at home okay so we're walking back to his truck and he says to me i'm really sorry this is all my fault and i yell i know i didn't do anything wrong oh my gosh so we parted ways i like high five myself all the way back to my house and here's why i'm telling you all of this first If you are dating, you must be aware that some men out there may treat you poorly. Some men who are dating should not be dating. Secondly, you need to be self-aware that you might be triggered and show yourself grace if you find yourself reacting the way you used to. This is all going to take time. Be super gentle with yourself and check in with someone else who is more objective to get her take on all of it if you need to. Thirdly, though I didn't handle it great at the beginning, taking that man on that walk and looking him in the eyes and saying what I said to him was maybe one of the strongest, most healthy things I'd ever done in my life. It was so huge for me to see that for the most part, I was not going to let fear or insecurity make all of my life changing decisions for me. Not anymore. I was really proud of how far I'd come. It was through Jesus, don't get me wrong. And I want you to know that if you're not there yet, you can get there. Jesus created you for wholeness, not to be freaking walked on. Fourthly, for the love, do not settle. I almost, girls, and I can't even believe this, I almost went out with him again. But I now completely realize that I would rather be alone than with someone who will treat me poorly. That's probably a duh for some of you, But for the rest of you that may be a revelation that you have yet to come to and you'll get there and lastly like i already said before there are good men out there who love jesus and who will treat you well okay i'm going to post a link in the show notes to my book unraveling to my free dating quiz to a free webcast about the lies that we tell ourselves to my e-courses heartbreak to hope looking for mr right those are both now pay what you want to pay as always If this episode or the All That To Say podcast has been meaningful to you, would you please consider sharing it, subscribing to it, rating it, reviewing it, or financially supporting it? Any or all of these mean more to me than you know. They help me reach more women with the help and hope and love of God, and I thank you to each one of you who's done any of those things. So sweet ones, all that to say, you are the unconditionally beloved daughter of God, and he is so delighted with you. You came into this world and you start each day already completely loved with no other loves to beg for and nothing to prove to anyone. Till next time, so, so much love. If you are walking through a divorce or you know someone who is, I have written several books that will bring practical help And healing during this really rough season. Unraveling, hanging on to faith through the end of a Christian marriage, living through divorce as a Christian woman, and moving on as a Christian single mom. You can find the links to all three of these in the show notes.